Hello, stargazers. Welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take a planet, an aspect, or a topic, and I investigate it through the lens of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Relationship or Love Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek, and I'm so glad that you have joined me here. I'm also so glad that you are surviving Mercury retrograde paired with the lunar eclipse that is happening 10 o'clock p.m. this evening, a.k.a. known as the Blood Moon. Um, today's episode is definitely, I think, right up the alley of the themes of a lunar eclipse. Usually the themes of a lunar eclipse are usually sudden upheaval, things are being shaken about, uh, some lessons usually come from everything kind of getting a little shake, everything getting a little change here. And I think that to, to, uh, today's planet uh, will definitely fall right in line and its themes too will fall right in line with what's happening up in the, the stars above. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. So before I introduce the planet for this week, I just wanted to go into its variations of its name because I, I'm kind of smiling as I'm saying this right now. It's really like the perfect way to kind of start off and introduce this planet. You know, it introduces its planet, this planet's complexity as well as just what its energy is really all about. So when I was in kindergarten and I was introduced to the planets, when I was introduced to this particular planet after Saturn, I was introduced to Uranus. And that's really what I came to call it um, ever since, you know, from six years old onward. Well, as of the early 2000s, Uranus is now, according to most astronomers, it's a very impolite way to say this planet's name. However, what was very interesting was that a lot of astronomers did not actually add appropriate names of what to call this particular planet. So a couple of years went by um, into, to, into 2013 with my first astrology class. And my teacher there had introduced the same planet as Uranus. And that is the pronunciation that I still stick to to this day. You guys may have heard me call it Uranus in previous episodes. However, when I've come into a group of astrologers, it's also named, and also its name is pronounced Uranus. Well, um, as if things cannot get any more confusing, and if you are confused, it's completely understandable and it's completely normal. It just, there's no clarification as to which, well, first off, we all know Uranus is out. We can't, we can't use that, that name. But as for Uranus and Uranus, uh, it's, it's not really clear as to how this name of this planet is necessarily pronounced. And if indeed you are confused, we are talking about the, that little blue planet that, um, basically has a ring around it comes right after Saturn, just, just to kind of stay on that same page. And like I said, if you are confused, you are completely, as I said, it's completely normal. But today's episode is that of Uranus, and that's the name that I'm going to be sticking to. 
But I, I wanted to point out the differences in the pronunciation because kind of like the planet itself, it kind of comes in with revolutionary force, but yet things remain kind of unresolved. Like what remains resolved, what's actually clear, what's actually concise remains kind of vague, like such as how do we actually pronounce this planet's name? You know, what's the pro appropriate pronunciation now? So uh, really when it comes down to Uranus, and you guys have heard me mention Uranus and what it, what it has meant for me over the years, uh, I really just would like to dive into the general associations before I get into sinistry associations in order to get kind of like the basic energies of this planet, I find that when I'm diving into the synastry of the planets, to get the basic overall energy can really reveal loads when it comes to what it means in relationships as well. So when it comes down to Uranus, when I was first introduced to it in my astrology class, I remembered my astrology teacher had mentioned that it's the planet of quarks. And I, you know, I don't blame my astrology teacher completely. You know, while I felt like my astrology teacher was just kind of like showing off her astrological skills in class and not really diving really deep into a lot of material, and I kind of had to find out more about it on my own. By the same token, I can't completely fault her for not completely going into the energy of Uranus and really trying to simplify both not only Uranus, but also all of the generational planets, because those generational planets can get a little bit tricky when it comes to navigating the chart. But um, I just remembered when I um, applied it to the, the birth chart of other people, it'd be like, well, Uranus in the second house, so someone's quirky with money? What? Someone's quirky with their sense of security. Oh, that really does not. Now that even now, when I even say that, that, that does not make a lot of sense. But then I remembered uh, Uranus was also going into my sixth house at the time. So it's like, so I'm going to get quirky with coworkers. That sounds really wrong. You know, even now to my own ears to this day, that sounds so wrong. But then, you know, kind of getting into it more, it's like, I'm going to be quirky in public service. I'm going to get quirky with my health. And I mean, as I'm kind of listening to these, not only does it sound wrong, but also it kind of just grazes the surface of Uranus. Um, it's like, yeah, but there's a lot more to it. So I kind of sense that there would be a lot more, and especially at the time, since it didn't make a lot of sense and there were puzzle pieces that weren't fitting together for me. I uh, started to look into it and research it more, particularly with Joanna Martine Woolfolk, and also just with local astrologers around. Sometimes it was just, you know, questioning local astrologers around, and also just looking at a myriad of texts. But um, I remembered uh, I first what I first encountered with Uranus, and I think this was actually with um, quantum physics, or not quantum physics, quantum alchemy in here in Denver, Colorado. The astrologer there had mentioned that whenever Uranus is either squared or not in a great aspect in your chart, there's a lot of erraticism that comes about with the planet. 
And you know what? I've actually had a lot of Uranus, personal Uranus experiences. Um, I, I just find, I found this week when doing the research that um, I can actually uncover a load of examples in my life. And I think the real reason for that is because Uranus has actually hit points in my chart where there are no planets. However, um, that can have just as much of an effect as when it hits your actual natal planets. And sometimes it's had some relationships with my natal planets as well, but um, especially when it just hits a house where there's no planets, no other connections, it's really intense. But um, the highly erratic nature, uh, there have been two astrologers, actually, two different astrologers who've likened Uranus to two different planets. And I feel like these two different planets kind of really highlight, and their descriptions thereof really highlight the erraticism of Uranus. And quite frankly, these two astrologers, I can't say one is more right than the other. They're actually both right. That's kind of how unpredictable Uranus can be right here. But uh, the first person was Joy Marchaud, author of The Uranus-Neptune Influence. And by the way, wonderful book, helped to really clarify um, everything on Uranus, also on Neptune, two, like I said, I feel like two of the most elusive uh, generational planets ever, but wonderful book. She also has some books on Saturn as well as Pluto. So definitely, if you have not checked her out, do check her out, really. But with Joy Marshall, she mentions that Uranus is very much like high Mercury. And what she means by that is that it is very much the same as Mercury, except it vibrates on a higher vibrational field. Now, with the erraticism, I can agree with her on that one, because a lot of Uranus is very mentally endeavored. But um, where I feel it's a little bit different from Mercury is that whereas Mercury can give you some insights, like mental and logical insights into a matter, uh, Uranus kind of gives you that flash of inspiration, that, that aha, that eureka moment um, that really just kind of comes out of the blue. And really just that flash, that lightning bolt really represents the erratic nature and the fast nature of Uranus as well. Joanna Martin Wolfolk, the author of the only astrology book you'll ever need, also gets into how Uranus is very much like Mars. And I see her point there as well, too, because where Mars is just an open energy current, and usually its energy is that of primal energy, Uranus is a little bit more contained, but Uranus's influence, even though more contained, when it hits your chart in a certain way, it's like a complete, a complete electrical current that's like kind of running through your life and it's uprooting everyone. It's uprooting everything. It's even uprooting you. And it's the thing about the energy. It's not like with, with Mars where Mars can kind of have a stopping point. Uranus does not have that stopping point. It's like continuous energy, kind of like a freight train of energy that's running through. And it's like energy that's also ungrounded as well, too. It's just uprooting everything. It's shifting your viewpoint into future unknown territories. And it's it's just really, it's unstoppable energy almost. It's, it's kind of like unstoppable change, really, is what it really feels like more than anything. 
um, the that erratic tendency. It's kind of like um, if you guys are familiar with the tarot card, the tower, very much this plant is very much like that in its energy. And um, really that freight train of energy, I feel like that can be likened to Mars in the regard that it's quick, that's lightning fast. I can even see this being related to Mercury in the quicksilver aspect too. It's lightning fast. It's really quick. But like I said, um, you know, with Mars, um, Mars usually with its impulsivity has a stopping point. Like if the impulsivity is caused by sex, it usually stops when you get it. Or if the impulsivity point is due to the fact that you're not getting attention, it kind of stops when you gain attention. You know, it kind of stops when you're kind of gaining what you really are achieving uh, when it comes to Mars. Uranus, that current doesn't stop. It keeps going and going. It, it, it just, it's, it's like a never ending, never ending train. It's like a never ending cycle when it comes to Uranus. And it, it happens the, again with the erratic be, nature of it. It happens spontaneously as well, too. So again, highly erratic. Um, I also, I think the best explanation when it comes to Uranus, though, comes again with Joy Marshall. And that is, it's the great, and you guys have also have heard me in previous episodes when I've mentioned Uranus as the great awakener energy. And I've always um, kind of mentioned it with sociopolitical or political viewpoints, which can be true. Really with that great awakener energy, though, it's it's kind of like what I was mentioning earlier with the erraticism of Uranus, where everything happens lightning fast. You know, it's like that bolt of lightning that's coming, that's shooting right down. Um, really with the great awakener energy, it's basically, you know, we all have encountered moments where we see either a political theory or we see a, you know, a moral theory or moral code that really kind of just encapsulates us and really kind of just epitomizes us in a way and really kind of gives us that, um, it's kind of like, you know, it, it kind of causes us to think outside the box, but yet the same token, it just kind of explains our existence Almost kind of like the Friends episode where Monica and Phoebe introduce Rachel to, you know, the the wind bearers, I believe it was, which was a feminist sort of um, literature, feminist sort of book. You know, all three of the friends had that brilliant flash of, a, of an aha moment in that in that situation that they they finally felt very heard as women. Oh man, you gotta love friends, by the way. <laughs> but they finally felt heard as women. And yet, um, they just kind of finally had a purpose and really had an explanation of, you know, in the essence of being a woman. Plus, they had a little bit of an insight of what to do as women. And this was, this is, of course, back in the, you know, kind of a, a great 90s viewpoint right there. But um, really, with that flash of inspiration that each, that Rachel, Phoebe, and Monica had, is definitely an embodiment of Uranus. You know, it's just, it's really like that, oh my goodness, this is a brilliant idea. Oh my goodness, this is so wonderful. Well, as much as that sounds great, you know, as much as, you know, finding a wonderful sociopolitical theory or, um, you know, finding a 
religious philosophy is really awesome. And also when you find a theory that causes you to think outside the box and to think critically, all those things are wonderful. And those are things that we foster our children. You know, these are skills that we foster in our children and hope that they, you know, have by the time that they're grown adults. You know, while these things are very wonderful, and I, I don't discount this at all, there is the flip side to Uranus, and um, there is that shadow side. And unfortunately, that shadow side, well, if we were to take the same episode with friends, you know, even though all, you know, Rachel, Phoebe, and Monica all read the same book when it came to they were the wind bearers. They're able to drink from their own fountain of wisdom. They shouldn't allow men to take all their wind from them, or AKA men being the lightning strikers, let them take all their wind away from them and take too many trips to their own fountain of wisdom. You know, even though they read the same literature, there was this moment uh, when it came to the book or into the episode where the three friends had very different viewpoints of what it meant to be a true goddess inside and out. And I think kind of like the little bit of the hilarity of the episode was how exaggerated the three viewpoints were, you know, while they're very valid and very credible, you know, how exaggerated and how isolated these three friends became with the same work of literature. And really, that's kind of the downside, I feel, when it comes to Uranus, is that you get, you know, you have this ideal, it speaks to you, you hear it, you can feel it inside your heartbeat, and it's it's like a instant, like a second's worth of, of notice when you, or like a second's, second's worth of recognition, so to speak, when it comes to Uranus's energy. That flip side, however, can lead to blindness and arrogance if you're not careful. And it's always usually coldly logical and also very, it's like you're kind of blinded by the theory that you're uh, adhering to, that you're not willing to listen to the other people. In this Friends episode, you know, Rachel, Phoebe, and Monica all became very isolated from each other and started like also attacking each other because they felt they had the right answer of what it was to be a wind bearer, aka a true embodied woman. They also had three differing viewpoints of what it was like to be a full goddess as well too. Okay. And like I said, this was like feminist speak way back in the nineties, just so you know, guys. Uh, yeah. Like I said, this this I love the fact that I'm bringing up friends. But, um, you know, they became very isolated from each other that they disbanded their friendship for the ideal. You know, of course, to make amends, of course, they came back, you know, they kind of apologized to one another for what they had said. But, you know, for me, that's a really great example of the downside of Uranus, where you become so blind by the ideal, you become so married to that ideal that you alienate loved ones that you alienate your friends and that you alienate those that you hold dear. And what's really scary with Uranus and sometimes a really strong Uranus placement is that someone who might have done all of this doesn't really care. You know, especially if they're so married to that ideal, they don't care. They just, they don't see it and they just kind of move on forward. Really? 
Um, another great example, this was a sinistry example, and it, it happened to me. Um, I was in a relationship with a guy when I was at Denver Elections, and I just remember Denver Elections, one of their policies, you know, remain politically neutral because we're exposed to all all sorts of political material when it comes to that institu- institution. I, I mistakenly, I was 29, I dated one of my coworkers, and I just remembered, I think it, we were both at home. It was I, during the great presidential debate. And I remembered I shared my viewpoints with him over the phone, thinking I, I had a trusting ear. And this guy completely 180 flipped on me. And, you know, with this guy, he was completely awakened by the Green Party and completely awakened by Dr. Jill Stein's viewpoints that it, it was just brilliant to him and would resolve all the national crisis problems. And for him, it was just the way of life was the Green Party. And I remembered that particular night. I had one question, particularly in the regard of how the votes were counted. And I am not kidding you, stargazers. This guy, first off, called me a simpleton. Not only was he frothing at the mouth over the phone. And, you know, here I was. I was his girlfriend. He was frothing at the mouth of me over the phone. But called me a simpleton. And then went on to tell me like how I should vote and why I, I am so ignorant and why I'm like such a, a brainwashed person in this society and how could I be this way? And I mean, it just, the theories just kind of got the whole argument and the theories just kind of went down a rabbit hole, so to speak. And quite honestly, I'm really surprised that that relationship lasted because um, that simpleton situation, again, great example, the downside of Uranus, this guy was so married to his idea that he didn't actually apologize to me the next day for the simpleton comment. He didn't apologize for one single thing that he said to me, and he hurt me loads. And, you know, here I was, his girlfriend. Um, He didn't bother to think about it any further. It's almost like he, his girlfriend was the ideal and not me. And in all honesty, I think that's the really dark side of Uranus right there, where you get married to the idea that, you know, again, you you alienate your loved ones. Um, Sometimes you actually harbor resentment and also you harbor a situation where you both break up. And like I said, I'm, I'm surprised I stuck with it, but that relationship ultimately dissolved because he he just stayed with his own viewpoint and wouldn't divorce his own viewpoint. And that's where, like I said, he just went down to a lot of rabbit hole thinking too. And that's also the other downside too, is like when you start to explain your theory, it starts to not make sense. You start going down a rabbit hole and you start going down kind of this this little unique pattern where it's not based in facts, it's not really based in anything except your your love of that ideal as well. And so I, what I just say, as with any other generational planet, when you love an idea, when you kind of are greatly awakened by an ideal or an idea and it kind of speaks to you, pull back from it, weigh the pros, weigh the cons, and don't just marry it right away. Because there could be some flaws, there could be some traps, 
um, as we've seen in modern political viewpoints these days. And like I said, I'm not going to get too political here on on this episode um, since it's focused on astrology. But, you know, there are political viewpoints and there are political movements where it gets a little Uranus minded as well, too, where it goes down a rabbit hole and there are traps. Again, too, there's just not a lot of logic as well, too, kind of like the logic train kind of runs out, so to speak. So, you know, weigh the pros, weigh the cons and approach accordingly. So uh, when I took a look at Joanna Martin Wolf, folk, I also had seen that she also added that Uranus is the planet of change, of originality, the element of surprise in life. And oh boy, is it when it hits your life. It awakens, it shocks, and it revolutionizes like the unfortunate gentleman, the wonderful gentleman that I had referenced to earlier. You know, he became kind of a revolutionary for the Green Party the unfortunate situation about Uranus's energy, stargazers, is that you may feel as though you're being very forward-thinking, and really sometimes in being forward-thinking, you're also repeating past mistakes at the same time, or you're pe- repeating the mistakes that you are hating by the same token. So that's why I say distance yourself, and really, um, before you revolutionize, before you accept a theory, again, weigh the pros, weigh the cons. Try to also, since this is a fast planet, slow down as well to slow down the thinking and really think about it far more broadly than what the propositions are giving you. She's mentioned that it's a planet of fewer future-oriented um, situations. So basically like modern science, invention, humanitarian movements, and revolution are all encompassed in this particular planet. And then it also makes people erratic in behavior, undisciplined, reckless, and perverse. In fact, um, kind of saying, you know, kind of on this note too, another Uranus time was 2016 when I was at Supercuts. Uranus at that time actually hit my sixth house. So that was where I was like, hmm, wonder what this means when it comes to coworkers, health, and also when it comes to public service. Well, when it came to, because it's a sector of work life, I remembered my manager suddenly um, became very kind of like almost desperate to hire another stylist, mainly because it was a very a high turnover sort of a salon. And she impulsively hired this young lady who interviewed well. She had 10 years worth of experience, but the unfortunate situation was that she was undiagnosed bipolar as well as ADHD. And so basically what had happened was, you know, she seemed very logical and coherent when she first started, but then There were other times where she thought it was completely normal to run around, literally run around the salon and show people her underwear. She thought it was also perfectly logical to talk about tampons and Jesus to customers as well, too. And I'm I'm not making this stuff up, by the way, stargazers. Um, basically, I mentioned her when it comes down to the erratic nature and not only the it's not only the erratic behavior of her, but also the erratic nature of Uranus, 
when it hit my sixth house, it felt like there was never a dull moment. Like this lady, when she was going around the salon, it was like we were continually having fires that we had to put out, especially with customers. Not only was her behavior becoming more erratic, but also the situation was becoming far more erratic. And I felt like I couldn't even rest for a minute when I was at work, which is, it's, it's very chaotic. Well, I felt like also too, and actually many of my coworkers felt like when she was finally let go because she had threatened somebody's life uh, one night um, because she was having a manic attack. Um, that's where we all kind of felt that sigh of relief when it came down to Uranus's reign. But um, again, a, another great example of that erraticism. Not only does it make people erratic in behavior, as it did with this particular coworker, but that energy current, it just completely, like I said, just completely felt like that energy current was you know, coming at me in waves when it came to, especially when it came to when she was working with me, that um, when this coworker was working with me, uh, rather. And um, it, it just felt like it just never stopped. There was never a moment to pause because it just kept coming and coming and coming in waves. So I know what you guys are thinking. You're probably um, saying, okay, Sandra, you spent about like 29, 30 minutes of general, you know, what Uranus means generally, and you've made some interesting points. But, you know, this is great, you know, general astrology-wise, but what about synastry astrology-wise? And I'm glad that you asked. So with synastry astrology, you know, kind of considering, you know, that Uranus is erratic, uh, it's the great awakener. You know, it's energy. It's a very energetic planet, especially, and it can also lead people astray when it comes to ideals. I kind of came up with my first point that um, it definitely shakes up the relationship. Like I'd mentioned earlier with the supercuts example, there's never a dull moment in the relationship. And also, I'd mentioned this with the sinistry relationship of the you know the Green Party guy. You know, it's like there's never, with that relationship, there was never a dull moment. And that can be good and that can be bad. Um, with the Green Party guy, the never a dull moment was that there were continual things that he wanted to fight about. There are continual things that he wanted to debate with me over about. And all that I really wanted was to be peaceful to meet eye to eye and to stop being attacked all the time. You know, there are times where as a loved one, I felt like I was being attacked all the time. Hence, you know, the reason for our, the dissolution, you know, one of the reasons for the dissolution of this relationship. But um, it just, you know, again, with two partnerships, it's not uncommon with Uranus, especially if it's in conjunction as it was with green, green party guy and myself, um, where it was in, you know, where it was complete conjunction, it's just like both people continually stir the pot or one person stirs the pot. It's like either one or both people stir the pot. It's like you just never can catch a breath and you never can take a break until you're kind of separated from that person. I normally hate to say this, Stargazers. I know I'm kind of getting a little political. And I'm kind of also getting, you know, I'm also recommending something I normally don't recommend on the show. But, you know, with Uranus's energy being so strong, 
in astrology and especially within synastry. Um, I would say if you are involved with somebody, look at Uranus's energy carefully. Because if it is in a conjunction area, we're going to explore this a little further in the sample chart. But when it's in areas of conjunction or it's square, they're squared each other and they're not very harmonious to each other, there can be some problems in the relationship. And I hate to say this, but sometimes problems that, you know, either the both people need to become far more open-minded over the situation and if one person, even if one person becomes rather pig-headed and refuses to budge, that relationship is going to be a little unstable and it's not going to last. Unfortunately, it's going to be one of those situations where the relationship, you know, you might have to find better pastures at the in the end. And I, I hate to, like I said, I hate to state this because that's very unfortunate, but you know, Uranus, I, you know, if it's in a grounded situation, it has to be like with grounded plants that ground it, or it really has to be in a harmonious relationship in the chart. Um, because it's just, it's too unstable otherwise. It's too erratic. It's too energetic. It's just too much uh, when it comes to relationships. It can mow relationships down as well, too. I also um, mentioned this too in Sinistry, you know, with the high octane energy of Uranus, impulsivity. I think it's actually um, even more responsible than Mars when it comes down to two people being really impulsive. With Uranus's energy, it's like both people have the ticking time bomb underneath them and they feel like they have to hasten things along. You know, it's like they, by the first date, they have to move to first and third, or actually first through third bases, maybe all through all the bases and moving upward and further from there. And with that said, I usually just say, you know, again, like I mentioned earlier with the great awakener point, pull back. You know, a lot of, if nothing else with the generational planets, the one thing that they teach us is to pull back and pull back from the energy take a breather for a moment. And I especially say this with relationship stargazers, relationships that go over 50 miles per hour, or even like exceed 100 miles per hour, are bound to crash and burn rather quickly. And it's very much like a motorcycle accident. It's not pretty when that happens. You know, either people, both people get really burned out or something really bad happens in the relationship. And I just usually say when you're kind of in that moment, like, you know, like say you're with a partner where the Uranus placement is conjunct with your Uranus placement and you're feeling that high energy rev, pull back from it and try to slow things down a little bit. And if somebody cannot respect you for slowing the relationship down, I'm just going to say this for the record from my years of wisdom, it's not worth it. I mean, if you would like to move more slowly or if you need to move more slowly and kind of gain a logical standpoint and someone else can't understand that, that's that other person's problem. That's not your problem. And that's not a person who's willing to stick around. And especially with Uranus, you will find out really fast and really quickly whether or not somebody 
is worth dating or whether or not somebody is worth having in a relationship. And I know this is taking a very downcast view, but again, with Uranus, it's such erratic, fast, impulsive energy that I have to point these things out. And these things do happen in relationships. These things also happen within synastry charts and, you know, pull a lot of this. You got to just pull back, got to reel it back. And, you know, if, uh, you know, again, you have great Uranus placements, the both of you can understand it. Um, if somebody's not willing to understand, however, it's not a relationship that's worth endeavoring, unfortunately. And as we see, as we're going to see with a lot of the, um, the generational planets, they become kind of more final when it comes down to the lessons in synastry that are learned here. It's like, you know, either it works or it doesn't. And I think they're far more final than the personal planets can be. Where there's room for improvement with the personal planets, there's finality when it comes to the generational planets. Again, uh, don't be surprised if in this relationship there are conflicting political, socioeconomic, or even religious viewpoints. And if there are topics that are controversial that continually pop up. Again, if the two of you can actually smooth things over by being far more open-minded that, you know, you can kind of measure your political viewpoints with pros and cons. The other person can do so as well. You know, everybody can measure pros and cons and stay open-minded to each other's viewpoints. Since we are, you know, when we're in a relationship, we're dealing with other people, you know, usually kind of different from ourselves, you know, that's where the relationship definitely can weather the storm. If it's like Mr. Green Party guy in the example above, you know, in the example that I made earlier, where he's just so married to his idea that he can't even see that I'm hurt, or he couldn't even see that I was hurt. You know, if you have a partner who's so married to an idea that they can't see your feelings, it's time to let that relationship go. You know, it's, it's really not worth it in the long term. Or you guys really need to sit down and have a really serious chat as to where this relationship is going to go. Um, it, again, with Uranus, it's an either or situation. And unfortunately, it usually goes to the or. Um, it just, it, like I say, again, it depends on its position in the chart. So uh, Heather Ariel, who I actually had forgotten to mention earlier, but she had actually offered a great synastry perspective within her uh, oracle cards, which is uh, the fundamentals of astrology oracle cards. Again, these are like my favorite oracle cards, stargazers. They're awesome. If you haven't checked them out, definitely buy the deck. It's uh, really helps you with astrology and also really gives you great clarity when you're consulting an oracle deck as well, too. But uh, she has a card for Uranus, and basically it states, electrifying energy surrounds you. And it, re it, re um, it basically reads, expect the unexpected and embrace change. Any loss or elimination will be followed by liberation. Meaning that if the relationship is not meant to be, there's something else, there's another relationship that will meet your criterion uh, better particularly when it comes down to political viewpoints, great awakened energy, you know, the great awakener energy that we're seeing here. 
But she also mentions that when it comes to sinistry astrology, that um, Uranus can be that magnetic pull, very much like the eighth house. But unlike the eighth house where it it's tantalizing, it's obsessive energy, with Uranus, the magnetism there is that it's very unusual. You know, kind of like how we're, you know, attracted to the oddball or the odd man out. Sometimes even, I even think that the poet or the philosopher can really embody a kind of Uranus energy in the regard that they're kind of going against convention. You know, going against convention is usually very sexy. And that I think is the magnetism and the pull in this relationship. It's unconventional. It's a forward thinking relationship when it's in, of course, when the Uranus placements are in the right positions, like if they're trined or sextiled, very forward thinking, you guys can learn a lot from each other. But she said one that might not be very stable. And I think um, I again concur in conjunction or squared, you know, your, your Uranus placements are squared or worse in opposition to each other. Not really very stable. Um, again, you get that the shadow side, that flip side of Uranus, where married to the idea, married to your own ideas, um, for you know, like really fast paced, but really not very kind of stable um, when it comes down to what you guys want at the end of the at the end of the day. With John Townley, again, too, he also mentions the shocks, realizations, and discoveries of Uranus, but he also mentioned that this is a place where both partners constantly need to rise to the occasion. And when I first read this, I was like, okay, what the hell does this mean, rise to the occasion? And of course, it's, you know, constantly dealing with conflicting situations. Like I said earlier, you're not going to catch a breath. You're not going to, this is not going to be a relaxing boat ride of a relationship. It's going to be not only electrifying, but bumpy. It's going to be a really, really bumpy ride. No smooth rides here. And he mentioned that if you accept Uranus, instead of letting it abuse you, it can cause you to think quickly on your feet in this relationship. You know, I think um, if you understand the implications like we are discussing now, such as being open-minded and kind of considering the other person's point of view, not being married to your own points of view, um, again, it can help you to think on your feet when it comes to this relationship. It can help you to ride this electrifying, very fast energy, very smoothly, and um, really it can, it can kind of help with the bumps in the road that Uranus can cause. However, you know, it can help you to welcome the change that comes with it because that relationship is going to constantly change. It's going to constantly revolutionize and constantly evolve. If you accept Uranus with a grudge, however, or if it's in a bad aspect, it's a symbol of malice. Um, as we mentioned earlier, um, ignorance, you know, I think is really the biggest, the biggest thing there too. In a good position, it's an eye-opener for the future of the relationship. And then, of course, in the bad position, you bring to each other incidents and accidents in areas where you are most entrenched, which I, I think I had covered earlier um, with the, you know, the unstable, how Uranus can make a relationship very unstable. You'll be coming to each other with ideas and ideals that clash, and you sometimes can't always see eye to eye. 
And I think that is the biggest obstacle with Uranus is how, how you handle that or how the two of you together uh, in a relationship handle that. And then again, to get the most, expect the unexpected in this relationship. This is not going to be a conventional smooth relationship. It's going to have its, its highs rather than its, you know, it's going to have peaks and troughs. It's going to have highs and lows, and it's going to be a roller coaster of a ride. Now, with this set, I'd like to kind of turn the page a little bit and go to the sample chart. I think you guys will like the sample chart a little bit. So, um, Kyle, you know, as Bravo is revving up to premiere uh, The Real Housewives, actually, they've already premiered The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I love these ladies. But what I especially wanted to investigate was that of the friendship between Garcelle Beauvais and Lisa Rinna. The reason why I chose these two individuals is because um, when it came, I just feel like they have a very Uranus sort of relationship, especially when it comes to their friendship this season and also from previous seasons as well, too. Now, since I know these ladies by personality from the show and I've introduced them uh, within other episodes when it comes to their sun, their moon, their ascendant, um, really, I would like to pull back and see, you know, kind of taking a lesson from today, pull back and really just see them astrologically. And, um, you know, of course, I'll, I'll try to reference the show very little uh, between these two individuals. But I was really kind of curious as to their Uranus placements because um, a lot of the themes that were represented by Uranus kind of reminded me of them. Now, while they're not in an official relationship, they're more in a friendship. Again, Sinistry does deal with friendship as well, too. So um, I think this, is, this would be really good to investigate. So one thing that I've noticed when it comes to Garcelle and Lisa is that their Uranus placements, they may not be conjunct, as I had mentioned earlier, but they're very close to each other, very, very close to each other. Um, knowing that Uranus is actually conjunct, Pluto is usually an indication of that they're in the same generation, they're Gen Xers. By the same token, I would say even though these transits are not conjunct each other, they're still, they're in the same house. And I always just say any sort of planets that are in the same, or I don't want to say they're in the same house, they're in the same sign. And uh, when any sort of planets are even in the same sign and they're even coming close to each other, there's still a lot of shared energy between them. I'm going to start off with Garcelle. So with Garcelle, she not only has Uranus and Pluto conjunct, but also uh, Mars conjunct in that as well. What's usually indica typically indicated by astrologers is that Mars and Pluto heightens the sexual appeal of an individual. However, with Uranus also being in that stellium, what I usually see is that this individual not only has very strong convictions, but um, the the great awakener energy in her likes to kind of uh, shake up the pot, so to speak. You know, let's forget about stirring the pot. She likes to shake up the pot. And the reason being is that that's how, you know, so kind of in incorporating the Pluto energy, that's how she sees the truth in life. 
and what needs to be exposed as being the truth in life. And she does it rather aggressively with that Mars energy. And with that Mars energy, it just kind of encourages the Pluto and the Uranus energy in, um, you know, really creating chaos, so to speak, or creating some sort of conflict. Now, at first with Lisa, that might have attracted Lisa, you know, to Garcelle and, you know, vice versa, you know, with um, Lisa Rinna, she has Uranus and Pluto conjunct. And really with Uranus and Pluto, again, likes to shake up the pot in order to, you know, you know, kind of present very radical views in order to expose the truth of society and see where the pieces land. Unfortunately for these positions, it also is an indication of this is where a lot of these, these two individuals like to gain power over other people is to shake up the pot. And to really, you know, kind of start, you know, whether people accept their viewpoints or not, they don't really give a, they don't really give a darn. The way that they see it is that the people who are really true to them will stick by them while others will just scatter. You know, it's just a way for them to see the truth in life. Now, while these two individuals may have shared a, you know, common vision with each other, knowing that they're in the same age group, but also they have similar energies going on. I feel like what's causing their friendship to really clash, well, first and foremost with Rena, she also has Mars right outside of Garcelle's Uranus, Pluto, and Mars conjunction. So I feel like um, she really gives a lot of energy to Garcelle's shaking up the pot and seeing where everything stands. She also has that same energy herself, but there are times where I feel like two like energies can kind of get stale and old after so long. You know, it kind of gets boring after a while. But I think with the Uranus, close Uranus placement energy, I feel like um, really Uranus also inspires people to move forward when it comes to their thoughts and then when it comes to their viewpoints on life. And uh, really, I think when it comes to both persons, their viewpoints have changed in life, you know, how they and how and when they want to shake up the pot and see where the pieces land. Um, that might have changed. They might be picking their battles instead, instead of just saying like whatever comes into their head, whether whatever ideals are really they're believing and they just kind of state it out to the world without a care whatsoever. You know, um, I think really their, their ideals have changed. They've evolved, but they've evolved independently. And this usually happens between two people. They've evolved independently from each other. Now, unfortunately, with Uranus, they can't, it's, it's not acceptable for somebody to be different from someone else. So, um, you know, like with both Rinna and Garcelle, I think, you know, they're just on different wavelengths right now when it comes to exposing the truth. Uh, Lisa Rinna is big about having everybody be accountable in the show and be truthful and cut the BS, whereas Garcelle would rather stir, you know, controversy. And would rather kind of stir the plot line and the storyline along. Unfortunately, those are two differing ways of going about resolving or going about having an opinion about a specific topic. And I think that's where they clash. 
Um, also, Garcelle's complained to Lisa Rinna that, you know, Rinna does not have her back a lot of the time. Um, you know, again, kind of stirring, shaking up the pot. And with Rinna, she's more um, concerned about being accountable or having everyone being accountable. And so maybe she is not there for Garcelle, or maybe she is there for Garcelle, but it's not really recognized. Because again, the viewpoints between their Uranus placements have changed, you know, that both people have evolved. And I just feel that um, this is kind of typical for a close Uranus range aspect. It's like, again, when you change, it's not acceptable. And also it's... um Unfortunately, it's that sort of planet where, you know, it's accept my ideas or else, or be on the same page with me or else. And unfortunately, I think this is what is really getting in the way of both Lisa Rinna and Garcelle Beauvais' relationship on the show. Also, I think the fact that they're exposed to the, you know, the public, you know, this, these are these things are all made very public for them on a reality show doesn't really help with the Uranus placements as well. So stargazers, where we are now with what have we learned? I think that Uranus really helps us to recognize that relationships, you know, as much as we try to avoid sex, religion, politics, and really controversial viewpoints, because Uranus brings this out in us, it really kind of goes to show that you have to have an open mind in relationships in order to make the other person's viewpoints work out for you and also to have everything work out. If you're too married to a viewpoint, it's not going to work out for a relationship. Or if you're too solid to a viewpoint, it's not going to work out for a relationship or even more so, um, like I'd mentioned with uh, Lisa and Garcelle's chart, if you change and that other person can't get on board with the fact that you're changing and that your views are, are evolving as you move through time, having any sort of disagreement or reticence is not going to be very conducive to the relationship. Um, you really, you got to be you got to kind of see eye to eye or respect each other. I think it, I think with Uranus more than anything, it's really, you got to respect each other. And no matter how enlightened you think you feel, you got to respect each other at the end of the day in order to make the relationship work. I also think with Uranus, despite conventional wisdom or despite what conventions like us to think, you know, conventions would like us to be, very fast and, you know, have very fast relationships. I mean, I think we, I've even discussed this on the episode of, you know, sex on the third date, should we or shouldn't we? Um, you know, our notions in society of relationships have really like kind of accelerated a lot. But I think with Uranus, it kind of reminds us that impulsivity and really revving up the gas pedal is not really very conducive to a relationship either. Um, that's where relationships accidents tend to happen. You know, you t I think it's, I think a lot of the individuals who have, um, you know, kind of, who are on the show, put a ring on it, have really accelerated that relate their relationships like a little too fast that they didn't get to know each other and really get to assess their own priorities along the way. 
Um, and yes, uh, put a ring on it is another yet another reality series on own. Very fascinating. Um, but, uh, all the way around, I feel like a lot of, um, you know, a lot of relationship problems come from just accelerating the relationship. What happens is that, like I said, you don't know your own values. You don't know the other person's values and you guys clash at the end. You guys end up doing things that the other person can't really handle. And, uh, also when it comes down to, you know, commitment and having that sort of commitment, when you accelerate the relationship way too quickly, you not only experience burnout, but also you experience like, you know, you, you don't get to experience how to weather the storms of the relationship very well. I think the biggest thing when it comes to impulsivity and really revving the engine up, um, which Uranus tends to do, again, uh, like I mentioned earlier, pull back and again, just pull back, take a, take a deep breath. And, you know, reassess what do you want out of this relationship? What are you looking for when it comes to a partner? And, um, you know, what is this partner meeting that? And then, you know, come back to the relationship. If all this partner is doing is revving up the engine, revving up the engine and not really doing much of anything else, time to cut ties. You know, if this person's just being impulsive and pressuring you into, you know, pressuring and pressuring, pressuring you to moving faster, 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 I think it's, it's time for you, you know, it's, don't be afraid to cut the tie or don't be afraid to say, look, this is not working for me. Or, you know, don't be afraid to say, look, no, I, I don't, I, I don't want this. I, I really don't want this. Um, you know, again, or, or look, this is not meeting my values. Here's what I'm looking for. If that person really, as I said, if that person's really going to stick around, they'll meet those values. That person's going to stick around. They'll, you know, they'll want to slow down and want to meet those values with you. If they're not willing to, if they don't have, and they don't care about you, they don't have a care in the world about you, then time to kind of move forward and find somebody who will. And like I said, I usually see this with Uranus placements with either conjunct placements or squared um, so usually hard aspects or even opposition. And then I think on the brighter side as well, too, when Uranus is either sextiled or trined, you know, again, um, having differing viewpoints or having um, enlightening viewpoints can be really great for the relationship. It can really spice it up. Again, as long as both people are very open-minded and willing to go along and just willing to go with the flow. Um, kind of like the old Buddhist state is saying goes, and this applies to Uranus, don't push the river or it'll knock you down. I think the implied statement is it'll knock you down otherwise. Really, uh, with Uranus's placement and in a Uranus relationship, don't push the river. It will knock you down. Um, the energy in and of itself will knock you down. And, uh, it's, it's not a very pleasant experience, but you know, if you remain open-minded, kind of go with the flow with the relationship, it can work out for you and it can open your mind and expose you to great wonders. And like I said, spice up the relationship as well. Well, stargazers, I hope that this episode on Uranus or Uranus, as we've mentioned at, at the beginning, 
Hopefully this was very informative for you, despite the political, you know, sometimes it went off into a little bit of a political situation there. Um, hopefully it was politically neutral as well as informative for you. Um, above all, as I'd mentioned earlier, do not be afraid to look up at the stars, especially at that wonderful lunar eclipse tonight. At Okay, so if you guys are awake at 10 o'clock this evening and seeing the lunar eclipse, the blood moon, um, I unfortunately will have to go to bed around that time. If you're able to take pictures, if you're able to share the experience, please contact me at my Instagram page at sandra.mizek, M-I-S-E-K. And above all, it, you know, enjoy the event. I mean, it's, it's every once in a while we get a lunar eclipse and it's, uh, it's a really phenomenal sight. Also, too, as I mentioned, just remember with lunar eclipses, this is a good time, you know, where everything is being shaken up. This is a good time to start looking towards change and seeing what you can do away when it comes to the old and what you can uh, welcome in when it comes to the new or what you can look forward to when it comes to the new in your life. But above all, don't be afraid to just look up at the heavens. It's a great way to look up at the origins of astrology. And above all, stargazers, between now and next week, especially with Mer Mercury retrograde and the lunar eclipse combined, be well. And I, I hope that I find that uh, you guys are well, both with your you know social circles as well as with your health. And until then, stargazers, until then. If you have any questions or comments for Sandra Mizek, you can contact her at mizek.sandra at gmail.com. Again, the spelled Mizek is spelled as M-I-S-E-K. You can also visit her on her Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash 7th House Astrology. Become a member and also receive a free Sinistry chart reading. Again, that is, that is patreon.com forward slash seventh house astrology.